morning, my friends. I'm Pastor Stephen Brooks, and welcome today to Morning Glory. Why don't you grab your Bibles and join me today in the book of Mark, chapter 11. Get something hot to drink, pull up a chair, and let's jump into the Word of God together today. Now let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we go into your Word, we ask for your Holy Spirit to bring divine illumination, that our faith will grow today and be nourished to carry out the assignments and to receive the blessings that you have called us to participate in. Now, Father, we thank you for this in the name of Jesus, and we all agree today and say amen. Praise God. Mark chapter 11, verse 22 and 23. So Jesus answered and said to them, have faith in God. You know, it's interesting that in the New Testament, we are not told to go get faith, go find faith, go uh, pull it up somewhere. My friends, we already have faith. And so what we have to do is we have to use what God has given us, have faith in God. Jesus would not require us to do something that would be beyond our ability to do. So we have faith and we must use it in pertaining to the Word of God, what God has said, take a hold of it, believe it, and do not doubt. Now, verse 23, for assuredly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, now, of course, mountains can be large problems difficulties, uh, problems that seem insurmountable of great height and great weight and proportion and size. So Jesus said, for surely I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Now, Right in the meaty portion of that statement, the, uh, the center cut of the stake, we have the phrase, and does not doubt in his heart. That word doubt in the Greek means to cause a separation, a pulling away from, a drifting away from something, okay? And that's very, very important. Doubt is beginning to move away from the promise of God. It's uh, very close to the Greek word wavering, and it begins uh, to become unstable. And that, that's a place that we must not drift into. In order for the Word of God to work in your life, in order for your faith in God's Word to perform, you must not doubt in your heart. And that is a core principle sandwiched right in the middle of that very powerful verse because doubt is a thief. And I want to talk about some very uh, well-known thieves that operate in the earth. So we'll go into the den of thieves and plunder them today. These would be the thieves of unbelief and doubt. And here, doubt is called out by the Lord. So in order to operate in the power of God, doubt must not be allowed to operate in our heart. Praise God. Now, Matthew chapter 14, 
verse 25, a very familiar story of Jesus walking on the water. Please turn there with me as we take a look at it. Verse 25, now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, it is a ghost. And they cried out for fear. Well, the context was, you know, you're out in, uh, in the middle of a large body of water, and it's dark, and there's large waves, and the wind is blowing, and it's a dark night. Probably you couldn't really see the stars, maybe just the moon poking through a little bit, and it would be uh, spooky conditions. And these are full-grown men that are pretty tough and have had a lot of life experience, but this was something that rattled them. And, you know, certain situations can uh, make things pretty dicey. But the Lord is in uh, this situation. It says, they were troubled, saying it is a ghost, and they cried out for fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, be of good cheer. It is I, do not be afraid. And, you know, here comes the Lord uh, just walking through this storm, walking through this I, how can you say trial and difficult circumstance of waves crashing and uh, you, uh, tumultuous uh, pandemonium type situation? And he's out walking through that, having a good time. There's a there's a message. There's a there's a sermon just in that alone. I'll maybe take a little rabbit trail on that in just a moment. But I want to stick to the core uh, message of what we're talking about today. Verse 28, and Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. Lord, if it's you, I just want to make sure uh, this is not a ghost. I, I can see you a little bit better now. You're getting close to the boat. I can discern that's your voice, but, you know, these shadows do weird things at night. How many of you know at night things can look different in it? You can look at a cloud or you can look at a tree or a bush and it's like you can see figures or faces or uh, weird distorted images and things like that. So, you know, Peter just wants to put this out there and just make sure, uh, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. So he said, come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. So he is operating in the miraculous anointing. But when he saw, that's very important, when he saw, you could say when he was observant of all the natural circumstances around him, the doctor's report, the bills on the desk that are not yet paid and you don't know how you're going to pay them. When he saw all of his circumstances, when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid and beginning to sink. He cried out saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, O you of little faith, why did you doubt? Please underline that. Why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. So unusual that now that this testing is over, that now we have a pleasant and very suitable conditions for sailing and for crossing the lake. But just before we had all this pandemonium, all this stress, all this pressure, and now it's just all over just like that. Oh, my goodness. 
Oh, I tell you what, God wants to do a blessing for you, even a miracle for you, right in the middle of any stormy condition. Now, this is what I want to point out today. Doubt robbed Peter of the best that God had for him. Doubt is a, is a thief that will steal from you, that will take God's best for, uh, from you. What was God's best for Peter in this particular situation? It was God's best for Peter to get out of the boat, to walk on the water out to Jesus, to do a little high five with Jesus out on the Galilean lake, and then to turn around and walk all the way back with all the other disciples watching in the boat, to walk all the way back for Peter to swing his leg over the boat and put himself back into the boat and for all the guys to go look at Peter and say, man, you're the rock. Praise God. We, we know you're on the team. Woo, no wonder he picked you first. Hallelujah. <laughs> See, there was supposed to be a full testimony. There was supposed to be a co-participation in experiencing the glory and operating in the miracle power with the Lord. Woo, hallelujah. Mm -mm. But what took place here is that although the supernatural began in Peter's life, I mean, he's in the middle of a miracle. And although this is taking place, it does not reach fulfillment. Look, miracles are not automatic, even when they're beginning to unfold, even when you begin to find yourself right in the middle of one, you must walk by faith. Even when there's an anointing, even when the Spirit is moving in tremendous power, you can pull out and still miss it if you so choose. And oftentimes, the devil will try to divert your attention off of the Lord with circumstances in this natural realm in which we live. Mm. So, what took place with Peter is that the full miracle that God intended for him to experience was not completed. It was not culminated. Well, what happened? Doubt robbed him of his full testimony. Doubt robbed him of a fuller life experience. Doubt robbed from Peter a measure of the greater glory. See, he, he only went halfway. He only went halfway. He, he didn't cross the finish line with this miracle. Many miracles, actually, in, in the lives of the people of God, they are never completed or they never make it across the, the, uh, the goal line because somewhere along the line, the child of God got their eyes off of Jesus and began to look at the waves, began to see this wind whipping back and forth and all the, all, all the noise of these crashing waves. You know, the waves on the Sea of Galilee in a storm can get over nine feet high. And so these are real circumstances. When you get a negative report from the doctor and the doctor says you have cancer, that is a real report. That, that, that's written on real paper, and it's uh, validated through a real examination. 
through a man or a woman who has a real doctoral degree or training. They know what they're doing. So uh, we're not denying that the factual data or information uh, is not there. We're not trying to act like it's not there. We know it's there, but who are you going to keep your eyes on? It's amazing how some believers, uh, they'll doubt Jesus, but if the doctor says something, Oh, that, they're, they're ready to carve that in the stone and add that to like number 11. Uh, that we're going to make the Ten Commandments the Eleven Commandments because that's what the doctor said. And, you know, a, a doctor could say, well, you need to take this out. This is, the, this is the cause of your condition. And so then you take it out and three months go by and now you still have the condition. And the doctor goes, well, you know, we, we need to take something else out now. And then we're pulling out things left and right. And these are things, these are things that you cannot put back in <laughs> once they're taken out. So we thank God for doctors. But uh, really, even with all the advancements in medical science, there's a lot that doctors still do not know. The, the body, your body is extremely complex. And there is just so many things that can cause test results to come out certain ways or scans not to pick up things that they could or should. It's just our bodies are very, very complex. They're these like chemical laboratories of the most advanced. Um, uh, they were made by God. So they're com uh, incredibly complex. So even with all that doctors know, there's still a lot that they don't know. But my friends, we don't want to doubt the Lord. Ooh, hallelujah. Well, let's doubt the circumstances because the Word of God can alter circumstances no matter how boisterous they may appear to be. So what took place here is Peter did not get the fullness of the miracle that God wanted for him to experience. He had some success. I mean, he walked on the water. That's that's pretty cool. So he had some success, but he got like a half a loaf of bread, and he didn't get the full loaf. And you get back in the boat, and you're just like, man. You know, it's like the guy that had, it's like the wide receiver on the football team that, you know, had a really good game and caught some really good passes, and then right on the last play of the game with the opportunity to win it, they throw him the ball, and he he gets his hands on it in the end zone and then drops it. So it's like, hey, I had a great game, but I just didn't complete it. Oh, and it's, it's not a fun feeling. It's kind of, you're like, okay, I need another opportunity to set this right, or this is going to bug me for a while. <laughs> but, you know, if the season's over, you, you can't do anything about it. If the anointing lifts, you're back in the ship. Now the whole storm's over. That opportunity, my friends, is gone. And you can't create these. These come by the Holy Spirit. These come by the beckoning of the will and the grace of God. We must, we must go all the way when it begins to unfold. Now, somebody might say, well, Pastor Stephen, did, did God's word fail? I mean, after all, uh, Jesus said, come. And that, that's, uh, that's validation that if you come, I'll support you. That's validation that if you step out, I have now the responsibility of, of, of upholding you in this. So what happened? Did God's word fail? No, Peter failed to keep his eyes on the word. See, some Christians, they, 
they really get into the word. They really get into the things of God and they're in it day and night and their, their situation, which is very critical, it'll begin to turn and you, you can see they're starting to get the upper hand on this thing. But then something happens right when uh, it seems like they're going to they're going to they're going to get a miracle if they keep this up. What happens is they get their eyes back on their circumstance. They start talking to their unbelieving relatives or they're going to some dead church. And then uh, somebody at that dead church uh, tries to talk them out of believing God. Well, you just never know what God might do and all this all this stuff that's unbiblical, that's unscriptural. And then the next thing you know it. They get robbed of their miracle, and, and you hear that they died. Well, Pastor Stephen, did, did uh, you know that God's word did it fail? No, they failed. They failed to uh, keep their eyes on Jesus. They failed to keep their eyes on the word of God. Woo, hallelujah. <laughs> so Peter, uh, he failed to act upon what the Lord Jesus told him. When he acted on the word, he walked on the water. So, do you want to walk above your circumstances? Well, sure, Pastor Stephen. I mean, who wouldn't, right? Okay, you can. But in order to do that, you're going to have to keep your eyes on the word every single day, especially if there's a storm. You know what I'm talking about now? If you're on smooth seas, everything's the way it should be. Everybody in your family is serving God. Everybody wakes up in the morning and shouts hallelujah and starts talking in tongues, right? Okay. You, 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 you walk out into your living room and you, uh, you look at your beautiful home. It's paid off. You don't owe a penny on it. You have money in the bank. You have perfect health in your body. And you're just a powerhouse for God. And everything is just perfect, okay? So you might have some smooth waters that you're sailing on. That doesn't still that still doesn't mean that you get like a free ride. You still have to use your faith. But the thing is is that life has storms. Life has negative circumstances. Everything about this world system is negative. And if you're negative, you're going to lose in life. So you need to be positive. So, but what I'm talking about being positive, I'm not just talking about self-motivation, stare at yourself in the mirror and pump yourself up by saying good things to yourself, okay? That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the Word is positive. I'm talking about standing on the Word, believing the Word against prevailing circumstances. Praise God. That's what I mean when I say uh, uh, be positive. I'm talking about a positive faith experience. Glory to God. So, we must continue to act on the word, not just once, but every day. Act on it, act on it, hear it, hear it, act on it, continue to believe it, and keep doubt out of your heart. If you let it in, it will rob you. Look, not just of sometimes proportional blessings, but it will, it will rob you of the greater blessing. It will rob you from that greater testimony, oh, that, that you want to have in life. So keep doubt out of your heart. Praise God. Hallelujah. So when the Lord gives you that word, it will sustain you. It will allow you to walk through any storm, any trial, any test. Keep your eyes on that word. You know, I was thinking about one minister, a particular minister that was involved in the Indonesian revival in 1965. When a great outpouring of the Spirit swept through the islands of Indonesia, 
And so this one minister, uh, he was an evangelist, he uh, took a team of other ministers with him, and because he was a native, he began to go into the remote areas, began to minister to the people in great power and signs and wonders. And, you know, really the only way for him to get into these areas was to cross the river. And he talked about how, particularly the first time, you know, he just had to do this by faith, but there was an anointing, and he did it. He walked across the river, and, you know, this, this book has sold millions of copies. It tells about his story, but he walked across the river, and then after spending all day ministering in a certain tribe, he'd come back, and then he'd walk back across the river. This is a, a, a wide river also. This is not like a stream or a creek. We're talking a wide river. But he did that, you know, multiple times uh, over and over going into these areas. And somebody asked him one time, well, hey, why did you stop doing that? How come you stopped walking on the water uh, into these areas? And he said, well, they built a bridge, <laughs> right? So when, there's a, when, when there is the natural support, you don't have to go the other route. So once the bridge was built and open, then that miracle anointing, the walk across the water, was no longer there. And, of course, he certainly didn't test the Lord by still trying to do that. He had enough common sense to cross the bridge, praise the Lord. But there are times where God can suspend what we call natural laws in order to work a miracle. But if that, if that anointing's not there, you better obey those laws. Praise God. What, you know, there was a minister that, uh, a, a great man of God that perished in a plane crash uh, a few years back, and it really shocked the Christian community. And everybody was kind of like asking, why did that happen? Why did that, why did that happen? Well, I can tell you exactly why it happened. The airplane was flown too low, and they crashed into a tower. And, and that's what happens. That is a natural law. If you fly a plane too low, there is a possibility that you might crash into something, and that's what happened. Pastor Stephen, did God take him home? No. They flew the plane too low, and they crashed into something. It was actually a very tall crane, and the aircraft struck that crane, and, you know, uh, they, they all perished. So that's, that's a natural law. If you violate natural laws and there's no anointing for the working of miracles, then you will be subjected to the consequences of violating a natural law. Praise God. Now, verse 30 says, but when he, Peter, saw the wind, uh, excuse me, saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out saying, Lord, save me. Lord, save me. Now, look, look at this. It says, when he saw that the wind was boisterous. When he saw. Fear is the opposite of faith. Fear is the opposite of faith. The moment you feel fear, uh, or I want to say it like this, the moment you sense fear is beginning to maybe uh, break through into your heart, you need to put on a teaching CD, okay? You need to grab these types of messages that I minister or go online and get good faith-filled messages by other ministers that minister the Word, and you need to just play messages like this uh, just until your faith begins to rise back up. Don't ever sit there and let there be a breach in your heart where fear begins to come into your heart and now doubt's coming in. Because you know what doubt's going to do. Doubt is a what? Doubt is a thief. 
So you must keep doubt out. And don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Praise the Lord. Keep yourself strong in faith by hearing the word. It says, when he saw, when he saw, if you get your mind, if you allow your mind to be consumed and overwhelmed with all of the negative and difficult circumstances of your life, what will take place is that you'll begin to sink like a rock, okay? You'll, be go, you'll begin to go down, and you know what? You can tell when you're starting to go down. You can tell, uh-oh, I'm on very uh, shaky ground. This ground that used to feel solid, I feel like I'm going right through it. I'm, gonna, I'm starting to revert back to normal. The water is not supporting me anymore. Woo, praise the Lord, my friends. What you have to do is you have to keep your mind on the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. The wind and the waves and the troubles of life, these things will try to get you into unbelief. Many times when I minister, because the enemy doesn't want me to get me, uh, he doesn't want me to get over into the spirit. Because when I get over into the spirit, I get very, very effective at seeing people get delivered. Praise God. Hallelujah. So when I get over into the spirit, it's dangerous for the devil. And it's very helpful for the people of God or even unbelievers that are coming uh, to my meetings for deliverance and for help. So uh, he'll try to pull me. The enemy will try to pull me out of the spirit. And I've had some of the craziest stuff. I'm talking about things falling over, loud noises, bizarre events that normally never, ever happen. And you think, why is stuff like this happening? This would never happen in like a Rotary Club meeting. This stuff never happens at the Elk Lodge. These things don't happen at the Lions Club meeting. Why is it that when we have a spirit-filled Holy Ghost meeting, all of these weird, bizarre uh, distractions start popping up? The, oftentimes this happens because it's an attempt to pull me out of the spirit so I cannot minister effectively, and also even to pull the people of God that are coming believing for a miracle to get them out of faith and get them distracted and get them frazzled. I'm telling you, you have to push in to get a miracle. There will be all types of things that will try to divert your attention. You must be very, very focused. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I was ministering once in India. I told my wife about this, and I remember sometime back, she actually found the video, and when she saw the video, she knew exactly what I was talking about. I was ministering in, uh, in India in a meeting, and I was ministering to a man that was completely blind, and this was bizarre. I don't, I don't know what kind of a doctor would have done this to somebody, but the doctor took uh, little bitty lights they look like, you know, you know when you see a Christmas tree with the light strands that go around it and they, they flash and blink different colors? Well, a doctor had taken some of those little bitty lights uh, uh, and stuck them in this, guy, in this guy's eye sockets. And he's totally blind, but he's got these two like uh, little bitty bulbs sticking out of his eye sockets and they're lighting up and they're flashing red. Hey, you know, there, I've seen some weird stuff. And so I'm ministering to people that, with a tremendous anointing. And then they put him in front of me in the healing line. And he was, uh, he was not there to get delivered. He was there uh, to really to, to distract. And I looked at him and I thought, that's really weird and bizarre. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, do not look at him. Don't let him distract you. 
And I immediately took my eyes off of him and began to continue to minister to others in the healing line. I'm telling you, the devil will try to do all kinds of weird things. Why? Get you out of faith. Get you to look at the wind. Get you to look at the waves. Get you to notice all of your problems and then begin to think about it and think about it. And the next thing you know, you can't, you, you've lost the anointing. The next thing that you know is that you're starting to sink and you can't grab it anymore like you used to. So you've got to quickly, quickly uh, begin to reverse that situation and get back into the word, get back into the spirit. So Peter cried out for mercy, he cried out for help, and the Lord saved him. If you feel yourself starting to go under, you need to do the same thing. Lord, help me. Lord, help me right now to turn this around. I'm stopping this now. I'm getting my eyes back over on you. I'm not going to have a mental or nervous or emotional breakdown. I'm not going to let this stuff drive me crazy. Lord, I get my eyes immediately on you. Begin to get back into the Word begin to get back into the word. You have to remember that when I'm talking about keeping your eyes on Jesus, I'm t I, I want you to understand that Jesus is the word. See, it's the written word that reveals the living word. And the more that you know the written word, the more that you know the living word. See, the word, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. So Jesus the second person of the Godhead, the Son of God, for eternity past, has always been known as the Word. So the Word, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. So when you read His Word, the written Word, you have understanding of the living Word of who He is. Well, Pastor Stephen, you just never know what God might do. He, he moves in mysterious ways. No. We know exactly what he does. He does exactly what he says he does in this book. He, he is one with his word. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> Hallelujah. So to keep your eyes on Jesus is to keep your eyes on what he said. Woo! Praise God. Hallelujah. Lord, we thank you. Jesus and his word are inseparable. So it was doubt that rob Peter of God's greater blessing. You don't correct someone. You don't correct your son or your daughter if they've done everything right. You only correct somebody when they've made a mistake or they missed it. And so, you know, Peter gets back into the boat and Jesus says, oh, oh, you of little faith. Why did you doubt? Why did you doubt? I mean, we could have had a great testimony together. I mean, we could have shared an epic Kodak moment together. But it, it's, uh, you know, it's just, it didn't turn out fully the way it was supposed to be. Now, he did walk on the water. He does have something special there. But instead of like five stars, uh, he just gets two and a half. <laughs> Praise God. Oh, glory to God. You know, there's other stories in the Bible, like when Jesus ministered at Nazareth, and it says he could do there no mighty work. And it says he marveled at their unbelief. Uh, look, I'm telling you, doubt and unbelief, they are in the den of thieves, constantly trying to steal and rob from God's people. And they know that if they, they, can't, if they can't take the full testimony, they'll at least try to keep it from being 100%. They'll at least try to steal from you so that you don't get everything that's supposed to come to you. But my friends, today... 
Do not let doubt into your heart. Faith will work in your heart, even if doubt tries to mess with your head or with your thinking. Okay, you can have those arrows of the enemy shot at you, and you can know that doubts and uh, you know accusations like it's never going to happen for you, you can pick that stuff up in your thoughts, okay? But you just reject it, you stay in the peace of God, and you just say, no, everything's going to be just fine. I believe the word. The word is true. And Jesus has promised to me that everything's going to be fine. And you continue to hold to that. So faith will work if the doubts are floating around your head. But don't let doubt ever get into your heart. It will contaminate your faith and it will disconnect you from the miracle working power of God. Hallelujah. So right now. Right now, it's time for your heart to be filled with faith. If there's any doubts in there, begin to feed your faith, feed your faith, feed your faith, and starve those doubts to death, okay? Get them completely out of your heart. Move your heart into a place where you believe it's going to happen, where it's yes and amen. Move your heart to that place and then maintain that place. Now, Father, I thank you today for your people that are walking with you. There are those that are in a storm. The waves are large. The wind is howling. It's dark, and it doesn't look good in the natural. But, Father, we thank you that we are mature people. We are aware of these circumstances, but we're not going to meditate on it, read about it over and over, and watch videos on it over and over, or just how bad it is. Oh, God, we thank you that we are going to watch videos of your word, we are going to listen to teaching about your word. We are going to read your word, study your word day and night. And we are going to be in faith because we know you're going to carry us all the way through the storm. Now, Father, we thank you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Strengthen your people today in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, let me just share my little rabbit trail story real quick. Did you ever notice that when the Lord is walking on the water and this storm is going on, that this is an opportunity for Peter and even for the other 11 to experience something special? I don't know why that God allows these special opportunities to come in the middle of storms. You would think that perhaps God would do it on a day when the Sea of Galilee is like glass because it's so smooth, because no wind is blowing, the sun is out, the birds that are over on the trees on the bank of the, of the sea are chirping away, everybody's happy, it's a beautiful day. You think that's the time, perhaps, that the Lord would come walking across the sea and say, come on out of here and join me. What a beautiful day to walk on the water. But my friends, God is very fascinating in the aspect that he gives us divine opportunities to engage in fun things with him, even miraculous things for, with him right in the middle of a storm. Okay, so if you're in the middle of a great trial, of a great test, I know you're fighting to hold on to the word. It is a fight of faith. But I want you to also be aware of something, that oftentimes in the middle of these storms, God can present to you an opportunity. And you might think, this is really weird. This is like, this is like opening up now. Lord, uh, what, shouldn't this come at a different time? But my friends, God is God. 
He likes to offer these opportunities to you, to those who are, uh, how can I say, in tune with the Spirit. Woo, hallelujah. You have to go when God goes. Pastor Stephen, I'll wait till everything's calm and then uh, everything's peaceful. That, that's not how he works. We move when he moves. If you move and he's not moving, you'll sink. It won't work. You have to have the word come. Woo! And he uttered that word right in the middle of a storm. Not when it was calm and peaceful. If you're in the middle of a storm, right now begin to look for that thing that God would say, come on, let's do this together right now. Let's Let's just have fun. While the enemy's hurling everything he can at you, trying to destroy your life, trying to destroy your faith, trying to rob from you with uh, doubt and unbelief, let's do something right now to have fun together. Let's have a Kodak moment right now that this will hang on the wall of your mansion in heaven for all eternity, that you and I did this right in the middle of the storm. If that's you, look for it. God will give you that opportunity. And I tell you what, when it happens and you walk it out, you'll laugh, you'll laugh, you'll be so glad you did it. Trouble doesn't always last. Storms don't always last. Uh, and so when these things are over and your faith has triumphed, it's great to be able to look back and you think, I'm glad I did that. That was awesome. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Now, that comes to those who have that spiritual sensitivity. Peter was the only one who went for it. Okay, so you've got to have you got to have a little bit of that bold, uh, uh, edgy faith. Okay, be ready to go in the middle of a storm and do something fun with the Lord. Father, bless your people. We thank you in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Thanks for watching. I'll see you back next week. For more information about the ministry of Apostle Stephen Brooks, visit our website at stephenbrooks.org.